Amen. Have a seat. As you do, tell your neighbor you have purpose. You have purpose. You've got a purpose. You have got a purpose, and, and man, God's going to speak to you today. I'm so excited. I'm going to say it again. If this is your first time at Meadows Church, welcome home. We're super excited that you're here. God has been moving. Um, before I even get into that, let me ask you a question. How many here are already on board with Christmas music? You're listening, right? You've tuned into it? Yeah. Wow, two of us? Come on, what's wrong with you? Um, I'm, I'm on, like, I love Christmas music. Like, the stuff I listened to even as a kid is still good today. That's what I love about it. It just transcends time, generations. Unlike, like, regular music that we listen to, it changes. We go through fads. We go through different, different genres. Um, I say that because my son Jake and I listened to music last night, and he had me listen to some of his favorites. Now, Jake's 12, so he's like, Dad, come here, and we're, we're kind of laying in bed, and we're going through some songs that he wants me to listen to. He's like, yeah, this is, this is Post Malone. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. But it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It was all, it was all proper and everything, at least that song. Um, so we listened to some Post Malone, listened to Marshmallow. I don't know if you know who Marshmallow is. He dresses in white, and then he wears a big, a big like, marshmallow on his head. It's weird, okay? But it's not bad. I, I, I thought to myself, I thought, Jake, wouldn't it be cool if we listened to Marshmallow and then ate marshmallows at the same time? It's like, Poof. think about that. I don't know. So, so, but Jake makes me listen to some of this stuff and we bond that way. And I'm like, Jake, here's what your dad grew up with. And then I threw on some, I threw on some Motley Crue and we listened to that. Yeah. And then I threw on some Guns N' Roses and that got him really excited. Me more so. And then I played one that was just an abstract, probably a one hit wonder. And you've never heard of this band, I'll guarantee you, unless you're, unless hard rock was really your thing like it was with me. But a band called the Bullet Boys. And uh, the Bullet Boys, don't Google them or look them up. There's nothing godly about them and it'd make you judge your pastor. So um, they, they, uh, but they, they, you know what? I'll give them credit. They, they had a song that was biblical. They, it was Christian. They didn't know it, I'll guarantee you. But it was a song called For the Love of Money. And it went like, for the love of money, people would lie to their mother. And, they, and we do that sometimes, for the love of money. And then it said, for the love of money, they would steal from their own brother. And I, I actually sing it much better than them, so I think I probably should have got paid some money for that. But whatever. So, but the song's biblical. For the love of money gets us in all kinds of trouble. So, can I throw some scripture at you right away? Is it too soon? I, no, we're in church. We should probably look at the word of God. So, 1 Timothy 6.10, look, listen to this. The bullet boys could have been called the Bible boys because it says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money. For some people craving money have wandered away from true faith. You know, somebody asked me, can somebody walk away from their faith? Like, can someone who knows Jesus turn eventually and say goodbye to him? Well, according to what I just read, it says here, some have wandered away from true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So the love of money gets us in trouble. But, but let's just make a declaration, can we? Repeat after me, money isn't bad. Money's not bad. Money is not bad. And for the people that say, you know, after somebody hits the Powerball or some sports figure signs a big contract, there's always that person that says, you know, all that money ain't gonna make you happy. And my first thought is, you know, I'd like to give it a shot. I, I really would. So I, I just think, you know, I just, the love of money is what gets us in trouble. So, but money isn't bad. Um, I gotta say something, because speaking of money, the state that I grew up in is made headlines and made Jimmy Fallon, because they did a promotion, jeez, uh, um, you probably heard of this, but they spent a $450,000, a lot of money, on a campaign about drugs. And it, this is the, ca the campaign, you maybe have heard this. So yeah, that's, that's South Dakota's campaign, meth, we're on it. So this is just one more reason that I moved to Nebraska. So I'm just, so I'm just like, and it's getting a lot of, it's getting a lot of headlines and stuff, but my first, you know what? Like the great 
prophet Mike Tyson would say, that's messed up. I mean, really, that is... And Mike, if you're listening and that offended you, my name is Casey Comstock, okay? Casey, okay. So, um, it's funny. I'm sorry. Okay, I like to have fun with this. Now, some of you are tense maybe because it's like, gosh, you're talking about money in church and I finally brought a friend. I finally got my friend or my mom or my, my neighbor or my boyfriend to come to church and it's about money. This is like the worst nightmare in the world. But I'm here to tell you something. This is, this is your best dream in the world. Like you, what I'm about to share with you today is going to change your life for the better, I promise you. Like I like, I like taking the pressure off. I like telling people, it, take, take, take the pressure. In fact, I like giving money away. And if you know anything about me, I've done this before. And uh, so I, uh, just, just so you know that, because people think, oh, the church, the money, I, I could care less about money, could care less. And I'll, I'll show you that. And the more that you get to mo- know me, you'll know this. But, but God has changed me because of that, because that never used to be the case. Never used to be the case. So um, I, got, we got, I got four volunteers that are going to come up, and you can come up now if you're a volunteer. Come up, and let's just do something fun, because um, we like giving stuff away. So... They're like, dang, they have no idea what, they're, what, they're, what they signed up for either, so, but now they're smiling. So anyway, Casey, can you have them draw a number, one through four? Where's Casey? There you are, Casey. Yeah, just draw a number out of the hat. Let's just have a party up here. Give, it, give them a hand. I mean, they're already up here, kind of taking, you know, it's a pressure to come up on stage and look at you guys staring at you. Open your number, see what it is. Three, so you go in the three spot. Two, you can stay right where you're at. Congratulations. Four over there, Chris, one over here. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give money away. So, but, but I can't just give it to you without you earning it a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So let me give you a practice round. And here's the deal. If you don't know the answer to your question, I'm going to give you one lifeline. That's them. And if they can't figure it out, then too bad you don't get paid. So I'm just saying. So you need them. You might need them. But let's do a practice round. Say money. 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 So on money, unlike a dollar bill, I'll ask you guys, on a dollar bill, what's the face? Who's the president on a $1 bill? Any of you? George Washington. George Washington, very good. You're, okay, so you're already on a roll. So you guys keep going. $5 bill, who's the president? Lincoln. Lincoln. Dang it, that was quick. The, you guys are a lot smarter than 9 o'clock. I'm, don't tell them I said that. They didn't know any of this stuff. So anyway, so now it's going to get tougher. But again, you have a lifeline if you need it. So let's start with a, let's start with a 10. $10 bill. Tell everybody your name, will you? Lifeline. Just say your name. No, your name. He's already calling. You will need that. I love this guy. You will need that. You're panicking up here, aren't you? I get it. I yeah. have to do this every week. What, what are you, you praying for me? Huh? What's your name? Chris. Give it up for Chris. Hey, he's like, God. Now, if you need a lifeline for your name, we're in trouble. So, okay. So, yeah. I love it. And I told you I wouldn't embarrass you. I'm a liar. So, uh, just kidding. So, this is a $10 bill. Do you know who's, you know who's on the $10 bill? Do you know who that is? It's not a president. So, there's some trivia right there for you. I had to look this up, by the way. I did not know who this was. I'd, I'd look it up, too. If you need a lifeline, now you can say it. Lifeline. lifeline? Can anybody, you just yell it out. Anybody know who's on a 10? Hamilton. Yeah, Alexander Hamilton. is. On, and now, because they helped you, you get that. This teamwork, right? That's pretty good. Yeah. So let's up the ante a little bit. What's your name? Calvin. Calvin. Give it up for Calvin again. We love clapping around here. Any idea? $20 bill. This is a president. History is like my worst subject. So this is a president. You want to phone a friend? You want to phone one of these friends out here? He'd like to phone a friend. Who? Andrew Jackson. All right. So it's good to know people, right? It's good to know people. Let's, let's bump it up and get crazy in this church. A, a, a 50. So another president. Do you know without using a lifeline who's on the 50? Can't move your thumb? No. <laughs> 
<laughs> Good question. No, I won't even move my thumb. So you can, you can phone a friend. It's tough. It's tough. I don't blame you for not knowing this. You going to ask him? Anybody help her out? Who? Ulysses S. Grant. There you go. See? Friends are good. Friends are good. Last. Now you're excited over there. She sees. Oh, yeah. Okay. Last is the $2 bill. Okay? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Okay. She's like, dang it. Wow. A hundred bucks. Just going to give that away. That's crazy. What kind of a church is this? One that's wrong in a lot of ways. So I'm kidding. You know who that is? Yeah, look at that. Benjamin Franklin. You didn't even have to use a lifeline. So before you guys leave with that, with that blessing, um, turn your money around and look at the back. There's a saying that's on the back of your money. Like, you'll find it right here. What's that yep. say? In God we trust. What's your say? In God we trust. What's your say? In God we trust. In God we trust. All right, thank you very much. Give him one more hand. All right. You guys, you guys can go. Thank you. That's yours to keep. Yep. Yeah. Thank, thank God. So, uh, so I've never seen four people so happy. Anyway, so um, in God we trust. That's what it says on our money. But here's the reality. And this has been me a lot of my life. Like, God, I, tr- I trust in you and, and I believe in you. But, but the way that I live shows that I trust in money. It's funny how our money ha- says in God we trust. But yet, do we trust the money more than we trust the God? That's where I've lived most of my life. I don't know where you're at when it comes to your finances um, or where you're at with that, but I'm just, here's what I know about me. I could tell people all day long, I believe in God, I trust in God, but here's where the rubber hits the road. How are you living? Because that tells you what you believe. In fact, that's our main point. How you live reveals what you believe. It is. I can tell you all day long how I trust in God and God's a, I'm a pastor, God's the center of my life and it's all, you know, hallelujah, praise Jesus. But how I live truly reveals what I believe. And the same is true for you. How we live tr- reveals what we believe. Now God says in his, the, the Lord's Prayer, uh, which we pray almost every week in this church, you know, remember what it says? Give us this day our daily bread. Do we, but do we really live that way though? Like do we really live like we're asking just for our daily bread? Number one, God, I don't want just bread. Like unless it's, unless it's Texas Roadhouse with the, with the cinnamon butter, then I'll take that. It's like they'll ask, sir, do you want more bread? I'm like, yes. The answer is always yes. Keep it coming. Like the answer in church is always Jesus. The answer at Texas Roadhouse, always yes. Keep it. We, we brought it home. I'm not kidding you. The Gannons are so, what's wrong with us? But we've literally taken that bread in a to-go bag, said, hey, load us up. So again, pray for your pastor. So what was I talking about? Um, Texas Roadhouse, uh, trusting in bread. Oh, daily bread. Thank you. Lord's Prayer. I might give you some money. So trusting in God. So give us today our daily bread. But do we really have to just worry about day by day? I don't. Like, like it, honestly, I want God to take care of my week and my month and my year. But I've never, I've never had to live that way where, God, are you going to feed me today? I never have. I've never missed a meal because I can't afford it. In college, it was close, okay? Talking ramen or mac and cheese, that was, but I still ate, okay? I've never missed a meal because I couldn't afford, I've never, I've never had to worry about where I'm going to sleep or anything. I've never had to live that way. I don't, maybe you, you probably haven't either. I'm not saying everybody, but most of you. Let's, let's say it this way, and I'm setting up our story for today because I want us to understand something. If we live in America, which you do, we, even if you're in poverty, if you're living below the poverty line, you're still in the wealthiest 18% of the world. So what that means, and from a global standpoint, is that we are rich. And the reason I'm saying that is because we don't feel rich, so we keep consuming and going after the very thing that will, will rip us apart spiritually. Um, it's crazy. Just say two. 
I've got two stories I'm going to share with you. These are two rich men, two different encounters with Jesus. God is going to speak to you today. I'm so excited about this message. I am so, this is one of my favorite things to talk about because it was the thing I was most in bondage to. I mean, it was unbelievable for my life. So, uh, and maybe you're there. Maybe you walked in here upside down in your finance. You're struggling. You're hurting. I'm telling you, God has brought you here for a reason. There's such hope. So, in Matthew 19, 16, if you brought a Bible or a mobile app with the Bible app, go to Matthew. That's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew 19, 16. Okay? And if you don't have that, man, I'd love to give you a Bible if you don't have one, by the way. Um, but I'll put it up on the screen as well. Let me set the stage. A, a rich guy, we, the Bible doesn't give this guy's name, it's a ruler of some sort, comes up to Jesus. And he asked this question in verse 16. It says, someone came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Okay, that's a big question. I mean, I think we could agree. Probably there's not a more important question than that. If you believe in an afterlife or an eternity, there's not a bigger question in the world than that. And he asked, he asked Jesus. Jesus gives a kind of a weird direction right away. He says, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus said, there's only one who is good. But to answer your question... If you want to receive eternal life, sir, keep the commandments. To which the guy says, which ones should I keep? And Jesus, being the nice guy that he is, answers him. And Jesus says, you know what? How about this? Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't testify falsely or lie. Honor your dad and your mom. And love your neighbor as yourself. i got to pause for a second. Because it, I, I don't want you to be confused. Because I, I can read that and think, okay, I, I don't get it. Like every weekend at Meadows Church, we preach that you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ when you call on the name of the Lord and you're saved. That means that you put your faith, say faith, you put your faith in Jesus, the Son of God. And when you do that and you ask him to come into you and forgive you, he does it. So, so I'm confused because if that's what we're preaching every week, is Jesus, Jesus, or what you're preaching here, are you saying that this guy can like get to heaven because if he obeys the commands? The reality is, no, Jesus isn't showing him that. You know what Jesus is showing him? Number one, we can't keep all the commands. We can't do it. And if you're here saying, oh, you know, I've kept all 10. Okay, you just lied. So now you're in the same boat as all of us. So, you, no, we can't. The Bible says we, the, the, the purpose of the 10 commandments is to, is to point us to Jesus. See, Jesus wasn't pointing him to commandments to show him that, that that's how you're saved. Jesus was pointing this man to the commandments to show him that he needed to be saved. It's huge. That's huge. Romans 3.20, I'll show you. Romans 3.20, listen to this. For no one can be made right with God by doing what the law commands. You can't earn your way to heaven. Nothing you do will get you there. The law, say law, that's the commandments. The law, those 10 commandments, they simply show us that we need Jesus. It shows us how sinful we are. Jesus is showing him, sir, you, you're, you need me. I'm the answer to your deepest need. All right, so verse 20. He, he's playing the game, though. He says, I have obeyed those six that you threw at me, Jesus. I have obeyed every one of them. Jesus is like, all right. And the guy says, what else must I do? Like, I'm on a roll. And Jesus says, okay, if you want to be perfect, which, by the way, to get into heaven, perfection is required. I'll, I'll talk on that later. Perfection is required. If you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions, sir. Give all your money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. To which the man said, verse 23, the young man heard this, and he turned and he walked away. One of the saddest scriptures you'll ever read. 
for he had many possessions for the love of money. In money I trust. This man could say all day long to God, I believe in you. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. What must I do to get eternity? What must I do to follow you? Well, Jesus was, was pointing you there. But, but what you showed, see, how you live reveals what you truly believe. How I live as your pastor reveals what I truly believe. This man, his actions showed a spotlight on what he believed. He would do an about face and walk away from the Lord. Which, that is insanity. But, but we do it all the time. People do it all the time. So it, this is so, I mean, and it, what commandment did he break? He didn't keep them all. He might have kept the first six. Jesus didn't rebuke him when he said, oh, I kept those. I mean, this guy was good. This guy isn't some deadbeat or some cheater, some scoundrel. This guy's living a good life, which, which is so key that you catch this. Listen, just because you do good doesn't mean you trust in God, okay? Just because you're doing good does not mean you trust in God. He did not trust in God. His actions showed it. And it's insane. Think of his original question. Remember the big question? What must I do to have eternity? What must I do to live forever? Trillions and trillions of years in heaven. What must I do? And he turned and he walked away. For what? You stuff? Are you? He, this, this is thousands of years ago. This man is dead. I'll guarantee you that. And unless he repented and called on the name of the Lord later on, he's in hell. And his stuff, his possessions that he said he couldn't turn away from, it's dust, it's dirt, it's gone, all of it. All of it. So you would cling, literally, you would cling to what? You got 20, 30, maybe 40 more years? You would cling to that? To walk away from trillions of years in paradise? Yeah. We do it all the time. We do it all the time. This is... I, I'm so excited about this message. He broke the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. He didn't do that. He maybe says he did that, but it doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter what we declare. It matters what we demonstrate. And that's what he demonstrated. Luke 16, 13 is so telling. No one can serve two masters. Say two. Two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Is money bad? No. No, it's not. It's a tool. It's awesome, actually. If you want to use it for incredible ways, you can change the world with it. But the love of money and to serve money, that, you don't want that. You can't do that because if you're serving money, you can't serve God. It's impossible. Say two. Two. Let's go to story number two. Number one, we saw what the man did. Number two is about another man. This man's also rich. He's not as good, though. This man is more of the scoundrel type. Like, like th those six commands that that first guy passed, this second guy wouldn't pass on him. He would have failed in the lying, the cheating, the stealing. He would have failed all those. Not near as good as the first guy. You might, you maybe have heard of the second guy. He's just a wee little man. He's just a wee little man. Why do I talk like I'm from Ireland when I say that? I don't know. I don't get it. It's just kind of because he's a little leprechaun. That's why. So anyway, so... <laughs> So Zacchaeus, say to Zacchaeus, let's sing the song, should we? Let's get weird. So if you grew up in the church world or you grew up going to Sunday school, you know it. Let's sing it with me. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Yeah. 
you guys know it. Now, if you know more than that, if you, like, if you know that whole song, number one, you have no friends, okay? No, why would you, who would know that whole song? Anyway, so, um, but Zacchaeus, he was a wee little man, and he did climb up that sycamore tree, true story, in Jericho. Jesus was passing through, and Zacchaeus wanted to, Zacchaeus wanted to get close to Jesus because he was missing something. Do you know what I find so ironic about the first story, the rich young ruler, and the second story that you're learning about this man, Zacchaeus? I wrote it down. Despite being rich, they both knew that there had to be more. Despite being rich, they both knew. They knew it. That's why they're seeking it, that there had to be more. I mean, they had everything when it comes to what the world offers. Possessions, money, prestige, yet they're still seeking something to be fulfilled. I'm telling you, the world can offer temporary satisfaction, but it cannot provide true freedom. Only Jesus Christ can give you that. That's it. And God is doing something in them. And Zacchaeus is seeking. And Jesus, Jesus gets, has them come down and he eats with them. But it's crazy. When they're eating together, it's like Jesus changes the rules. He doesn't, ask the, he doesn't ask Zacchaeus what he asked the first guy or tell him. Like he didn't say, Zacchaeus, sell all your stuff. Give it to the poor. He didn't say that to Zacchaeus. You know, it's interesting. Zacchaeus was prompted to do something. Let me read it in verse 8. This is Luke 19, verse 8. They're eating, or they've eaten together now. Zacchaeus stood before the Lord Jesus and said, oh my gosh, lean into this. He said these three words, I will give. Against everything in his nature, everything in his being, exactly the opposite of the way he was living. He says, I will give. Let me finish it. I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people of their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responds with something even more crazy. You know what he says? Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man, me, Jesus Christ, came to seek and save those who are lost. Man, I gotta say something, Jesus. I'm confused. You, you just basically said he's saved. I, I, I didn't see Zacchaeus like, Put his faith in you. I didn't see. I didn't hear Zacchaeus claim that you're the that he, that he's the son of God. He didn't. He didn't pray any special prayer. He didn't join a Bible study. I don't get it, Jesus. But here's the thing. Remember verse nine. Put it up again. Look at this. Lean into this. Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown. Say shown. This man has shown himself to be a true son. How we live reveals what we believed. Zacchaeus didn't have to pray anything or say anything because his actions were revealing it. I'm telling somebody, Jesus, Zacchaeus trusted Jesus, okay? And when you trust Jesus like that with all of your heart, you will have all that you need. Zacchaeus was showing it. He didn't have to say anything. It was evident. I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving. But Zacchaeus, you ain't giving to nobody. I ain't seen you give to nobody in the last 20 years. I know. But when, but when you're changed, when you're truly changed, well, you'll be changed. Wherever your treasure is, Luke 12, 34, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. <laughs> what did the first man truly treasure? 
Well, he, he, he turned and walked from Jesus. So wherever, whatever you treasure, there your heart will be. Where did his heart lead? Away from Jesus. Zacchaeus, what did he truly treasure? Well, how you live reveals what you believe. He starts giving and giving. and get, Jesus didn't ask him. Jesus didn't tell him. He's just giving and giving. This, do, do you see why, this, why Jesus would talk about money more than anything else? It was never about the money. The two stories that I shared with you out of God's word today, they're not stories about money. They're not. They're not. God, he uses money in the illustration because we cling to it, because God knows our heart, and he knows what we're going to really value in life. So he uses that, and that's why he has to preach on it so many times, because he knows us. But I'm telling you, it's about the heart. It is a heart issue. It is a heart issue, and I didn't get this. I always thought, maybe you think the same thing. Whether the church brings up money or somebody else wants to bring up my money, it's always about the money. I'm here to tell you something, like tithing. I remember when my church where I got saved, they brought up tithing. I didn't know, I grew up in a church, they didn't really use that word. I'm like, tithing, I don't, I've never heard that before. And they talked about, well, tithing is a biblical term that's in the, in the before the law, and then the law, and then Jesus even spoke the words, yes, you should tithe, so it's all throughout the Bible. And I'm like, okay, well, Jesus said we should do it, we should do it. But then I learned what it was, and the, my, my pastor's like, well, that's returning 10% of your income back to God. Dang, slow down. I remember running home, grabbing my calculator, and I'm doing the math, you know, and not, not the math, okay? I was in South Dakota, but I wasn't, I was, the math, I was doing the math, and I was doing it, and I did 10%, I'm like, oh, I mean, I about had an involuntary seizure. I'm like, are you kidding me? There is no way this is going to happen. I would have to rearrange, like, everything. And it's like Jesus reached down himself and said, and isn't that the point? And isn't that the point? That you would rearrange your life around me and trust when you return to me what's mine, I will bless you in ways that you can't imagine. Not just financially, not just talking prosperity, God. I'm talking blessings in your life. I never understood it. Tithing, I always thought, oh, God wants my money. God don't need my money, okay? Tithing isn't about God getting anything. It's about God getting my heart. Tithing is me, me trusting God with my first and my best and he'll bless the rest and he has but, but if you're not there, I get it. I wasn't there most of my life. It was a struggle for me, but I didn't understand it. No one ever taught it to me like that. But I think, why, why is it the number one thing Jesus talked about? It makes perfect sense. Jesus loved people. Jesus wanted people to live their purpose. Jesus wanted life for people. Jesus wanted uh, the best for people. Jesus wanted hope for people, healing for people, abundance for people. Of course, he knows that we're going to be in bondage to something. We're not going to have any of that. So he speaks to it because he sees us struggling in it, and he's showing us this way that's so much better than the way that we think is working. It's, it's crazy what Jesus does. I wrote, God doesn't want you to tithe so he can be taken care of. He wants you to tithe so you can be taken care of. And I think of Financial Peace University. You guys, this is a class that we run twice a year at Meadows. We just finished, actually, last week or something. Ten-week class where we help people get financially set free according to what God's word says. It's amazing. So the, the class just finished up. 20 plus people were in the class. Do you know in 10 weeks, 20 plus people paid off over $90,000 of debt? That's amazing. This is, this is but, but, but understand this, when you look at the budget that they lay out in financial peace, you know what the first thing on the budget is? Tithe. Very first thing. Well, the church just, you didn't. If you know anything about me, that's why I give money. I mean, it, if you never give a dime to Meadows Church, I'll love you, I'll walk with you. It ain't about the money. It is not about the money. I know this because 
Money had my heart for many years, many years. And some days, you know what? It still does. I need Jesus like you do. But that's why Jesus would speak so much to this. I had a conversation with a guy in the Welcome Center last week. I've known his family, I mean, since they start coming to Meadows. I've watched this family grow closer to Jesus. It's been amazing. First, it was attendance and coming weekly, week in and week out, and their kids checking them in. And pretty soon, it was a life group, and they're in a life group. Pretty soon, it was serving in the church. You know, finances are normally the last thing we'll give God. It's just, I mean, I, that's maybe not true for everybody. It was true for me. God, I'll trust you with my kids and my salvation, but not my checkbook. That was, that's what it was for me. And this gentleman I'm talking to, you know what he said to me? It blew me away. He said, since we started tithing, God has done miraculous things in our relationship. Not in our, not in our bank account, not in our 401k, though maybe he is. I don't know. We didn't go there. I'm just telling you, it's so much bigger than money. Money is just a tool that we get to use. But what God has for you, I just, it warmed my heart to hear him say that. And I've watched him, get, him and his wife get closer to Jesus. And it, it actually prompted this point. Because the closer you get to Jesus, the more generous you become. The closer you get to Jesus, the more generous you become because he's generous. And the more your heart is turning into his heart, the more generous you'll be. It is a fact. And I've seen it in my life. And I've got a long ways to go yet too. I'm, pre- I'm with you, okay? We, both, we all need this together. So, the tale of two men. Gain the whole world and lose your soul. That would be the one man's choice. Insane as it is, he chose it. The other man would say, you know what? I love this stuff and I love my money. But eventually Jesus got his heart. And then you know what he said? I'm gonna give up something I love or love for something I love more. And he loved Christ. And, he, and God would use him to, to, to help others. So many of us, we believe the lies. Can I tell you the lie I believed so much in my life? That number one, I believed it was all mine when it was God's, okay? And then I believed that hold, holding on to what I had, and I'm like, I'll tithe when I'm ready, or I'll give when I'm ready. I, but I'd never be ready. I'd, I'd always be upside down. I'd always struggle month to month. I always would. And then I start believing a lie that some people believe that, you know what, more is so much better. And I'll accumulate more and I'll buy more. And if I want that, I'll click buy now and I'll get this and I'll get that. And eventually it's going to bring happiness and it's going to bring fulfillment. It is a lie. I wrote this down. I just, I'll read it. I said, if you don't believe this is true, what I'm saying, then do this. Keep buying what you believe will make you happy. Just keep doing it. Travel, accumulate, get everything you ever wanted. Make more money. Sacrifice your family if you need to do it. Keep doing it. Arrive at the end of your life and then ask yourself honestly, if all the things you had fulfilled you, I promise you, the answer will be no. But people are doing it every day. They're living that way and they're dying that way. And I will do whatever I can to walk with you and help you. Someone did it for me. And I didn't understand the blessings of God or what he does in our lives. When we trust him, say trust. It's a trust issue. It's what it is. In money I trust or in God I trust. It's not easy. That's why we need each other. Paul was an amazing man transformed by Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Wrote a lot of the New Testament. He had a mentee named Timothy that he raised up and was teaching. He's giving him his best. Teaching him this is what you need to do. Listen to what he tells Timothy. This is crazy. 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19. Hey, Timothy. When you're out there, tell them to use their money to do good. Okay? Paul's seen it all. Paul's done it all. They should be rich in good works, Timothy. Generous to those in need. Always be ready to share with others. 
adopting families, buying gifts for others that can't do it for themselves. By doing this, Timothy, they will be storing up their treasure in heaven. Remember eternity? You remember that, Timothy? As a good foundation for their future so that they may experience true life. You want true life. I know you do. But I see families, and I've done it. I've sought the things that I thought would make me happy. I'm talking partying and drugs and women and money and money and money. I've chased it. I've chased it, and it never does it. But what God wants to do, and here's what the church has taught me. Can I tell you something? The church, what God has taught me, that when he blesses me and when he blesses you, because let's face it, you're blessed. Okay, can we say that? I know that maybe you're struggling financially, and I'm not making light of that. And we'll walk with you as a church. We will. But, but we're blessed. We're blessed. But God blesses us so that we can bless others. He does. And when, when you bless somebody else, God's looking at you, and you know what he says? Ah, I like it. I can trust her. I'm blessing her, but it's not just about her. She's not like the one rich young ruler who walked away like this. She's more like Zacchaeus who walked away like this. I like that. I'm going to bless her more. Do you see what God does? He blesses you because he knows you're going to bless others. So something I forgot to do with my, my volunteers, I got to call you up one more time. You don't have to come up to the stage, but you can just come right here, will you? Just come up here. Because I, I want to teach the church something. Because my church taught me something. It changed my life. It changed my family. It changed the way that we live. I'm still jacked up some days, but I'm telling you what, God's working on me, and he wants to work on you too. So check this out. God blessed you. You can say it was me, but that was God. That God blessed you and wanted to, and he got great joy from it. Do you know how much joy it brings you and it brings you when you give loved ones gifts? Christmas is coming, right? If you're a parent, you know this. I don't have to talk you into it. When you give your kid a gift that you know that they've been wanting and they love, the joy that you get when your kid opens that gift and rips it open and the look on their face. Do you know why you get that joy in your heart so much? Because you're created in the image of the Lord. And the Lord is a giver. He is the greatest gift giver you could ever give. Do you want to know how much joy it brings your Father in heaven to give to you? Not just money. I'm talking blessings. I'm talking abundance. I'm talking things that are way bigger than money. But money is something that is tangible that we, we can get a hold of, you know? So let me bless you You've already been blessed by God. Let me bless you again so you can bless others. Is that fair? So, I can't remember what order anybody was in. You, what'd you get, 500? I'm just kidding. So, somebody got, who got this? You? Who got this? You? You're like, I had the 500. What did you get this? You were number two. You're number one. Okay, so, so God bless you with one. Praise God. That's a gift from God. So, the second one, this is what God says. Bless somebody else. Okay, take the second one and get the joy of blessing somebody else. Because when you invest in the church, by the way, behind you is the church. It isn't the building that's around you. In fact, you're the church and I'm the church. So when you invest in the church, the dividends are eternal. Did you know that? It's eternal because you're investing in the, the one thing that Jesus Christ died for, the church. That's what, he, that's what he died for. The only thing, by the way, that Jesus said he would build, the church. If you're wondering, the church was it. Nothing else. Nothing else Jesus said he would build. So this, there's one rule, you, when you, and you have to give it away before you sit back down. So you got to go find somebody in the crowd. You're going to give them that, and you're going to bless them. You're not going to know them. It's got to be, be somebody you don't know, okay? And uh, do that. And that, you're going to bring someone joy, and that should bring you joy. That, that should bring you joy. You've been blessed, and now you get to bless somebody else. Do you see how that works? You just got to do me one favor, though. Finish this sentence for me. No, just one word. Just say one word after it, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave. Thank you. Go give it away. 
For God so loved the world that he gave. Do we even understand the giver that our God is? What he wants to do in our life. God is amazing. Look, look up here. Again, if the devil's trying to help you think that this is about money, please. I could care less about your money. I could care less about your money. You need money, I'll write you a check myself. I don't care. I wouldn't say that 10 years ago. I couldn't. I couldn't. I was too attached. I could say it today and tell you I don't care. I, I, I'll do whatever it takes so God has your heart. That, you're, that what you believe will determine what you do. I'll do whatever it takes. But here's the thing. The most important thing in the world is what that first man asked. How do I get to, how can I spend forever with my Lord and people who love my Lord? The answer is you are saved by God's grace through your faith when you believe. You have a part in it. Jesus Christ died for everybody. Everybody will not go to heaven. I'm sorry. It's just got to preach the word though, okay? You can, and you can make sure that happens today. How? Believe in Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. The Son of God who never sinned, who never messed up. Believe that today. Believe that Jesus Christ went to a cross. Remember earlier when I said, when Jesus said, do, if you want to be perfect, do that. Jesus said perfect because you have to be perfect to get into heaven. You ain't going to do that. Sorry. You might be good, but you ain't that good. Jesus is. Jesus was perfect. Never screwed up. Never said nothing. That's how it works. So he dies in our place. So his sacrifice, his perfect sacrifice, we get the benefit. He takes all of our crap and all of our mess. And he says, I'll take it. You know what I'll give you? Eternity. Abundance. Not just forever someday, but it can start today. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's God's son, that he died on a cross. He rose from the dead. The greatest miracle in history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you can believe in that, can you believe that Jesus was dead and then alive? And that he has the power to take your sins and your mess and your depression and your anxiety and your thoughts and your addiction and the porn and the struggle and the adultery and he can crucify it to the cross and you can start fresh today. Commit your life to Jesus Christ. Sell out to the king. Way more important than any money we'll ever talk about. It is your life. It is your abundance. It is... Don't leave here unless you know. If you have questions, please ask us. It's the greatest gift you could ever be given. Aside from that, I want to say something to you about giving. I talked about the church. As I prayed for you and for me, I think there's four categories that we'd fall in. Some of you are in the first category where I live most of my life, by the way. You've never been able to give back to God. You, you, you haven't. You want to. You love, you love God and you love people. You really do. You're not a bad person. But you're like, I don't have it. I, don't, I, can't, I can barely afford this or that. And you've never been able to do it. Will you today trust God? Say trust. Will you trust God today and give something? Oh, it's about money. No, it's not. If that's what you're thinking, keep your money. Don't care. It's God wants to unlock something in your heart. God is begging for you to take a step of faith. But I need God to show me his faithfulness. I need God to show up. God can't show you his faithfulness until you take a step. That's how it works. Take a step. Many times it won't make sense until you get there. It might be 50 cents. I don't care. Unlock something. God, I've never done this before. I'm taking a step. God says, put me to the test. Put him to the test. He's God. He ain't going to let you down. I promise you. 
Test him. See how your week goes. Play it by ear. That's cool. You've never given gifts something for the first time. What are you investing in? The greatest investment in the world, the local church. Oh, you're a pastor. Of course you're going to say that. Listen to me. I don't say it because I'm a pastor. I say it because I'm a follower of Jesus. That's why I tell you that. That's, that's step one. Step two is maybe you've given before, but it's, but it's not consistently. It's like if you, got, if you got some extra, you'll give it. But you know what? I don't have it this month or this week. Today, you're going to take a step and you're going to give consistently. You're going to say, I'm going to consistently give. I want to invest in something that's going to matter forever. Okay? I'm going to set it up and I'm going to set it and forget it. Like a bill, like a mortgage, like an electric bill, whatever. And I'm going to give consistently. Like I do it when I get paid. Boom. First thing. Do it online. Do it when you come here. I don't care. But set up an automatic, like, I'm going to trust you, God. Again, if you think it's about money, keep it. It's not. It is not. This church will thrive whether you give or not. I promise. It is for you. I'm bet. I, I just almost wish I could rewind and show you how dysfunctional I was and still am, but I'm better. It's just some of you, 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 you're giving, but you're not tithing. That's 10%. That's what the word tithe means. Today, God is going to bring you to a level where you're going to start to return a tithe, a 10% tithe. And it's going to, it, you want to see blessings? And I'm not talking prosperity. I'm talking so much bigger than money. That's a whole other teaching. I could teach you about what God's word says on that, about how that's tied to what God, how God wants to bless you. Some of you are going to go to that level. And I'm going to celebrate with you because it's, because it's your heart. Some of you tithe. And thank you. If, you. if you've ever given a dime to this church, thank you. I'll show you in a second what you're doing. Some of you tithe. You return 10%, and God today is going to bring you to a place of increase where you're going to go above and beyond that. And you're going to go to an offering, that's called. And it might be a year-end offering. It might be something you consistently do. That's between you and God. But God's going to bring you there. And listen to me. All these steps will be difficult. If, if, if any of those steps are easy, you should probably go to the next step. I, I'm just saying, they're not easy. It takes faith. That's what it's all about. But put God to the test. Not me. God. He's the one who says, you, you, you return to God. You tithe. I'll open the floodgates of heaven. Pour a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. He said it. Test him. If it don't work, stop. I wrote something down. Saving faith is more than what we declare or how we feel. It's about a life changed. That's so personal to me because I would declare a lot of things about how God's first in my life and I love Jesus Christ and I always have. But my actions and my giving, listen to me, if you are a believer of Jesus and you don't give back, something, there's a disconnect. And you're missing out. God's not missing. You're missing out. You are missing out. I don't want you to miss out. I told you the church is the greatest investment in the world. Why do I say that? I already told you the church is the only thing Jesus said he would ever build. That's it. Nothing else. Christ died for the church. You read scripture, you'll see that. By the way, you're the church. Everything the world will celebrate today is temporal. This afternoon when the Cowboys take it to the Patriots, I'll celebrate that. <laughs> I knew I'd get at least two or three of us. <laughs> Mandy, you're laughing. So I'll celebrate that, but at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. 
can I be straight with you? It doesn't matter at the end of the day. It doesn't. I'll celebrate for a moment, but an hour later, I'll kind of forget about that and I'll move on. It doesn't matter. Don't you see the lie that we believe? Listen to me. Everything the world celebrates is temporal, but everything the church celebrates is eternal. Okay? By the way, in two years at this church, 233 people have given their lives to Jesus Christ. Don't tell me the angels aren't celebrating. That is eternal. That is eternal. So, what step will you take? If the enemy's saying it's money, don't let, don't let him win. I saw some pictures this week of our kids' ministry. I need to show you one that kind of stopped me in my tracks. You can put it up. What you're investing in is life-changing. This is just one of many pictures that are randomly taken in our kids' ministry. I just want you to look at the faces of the kids. I want you to look at the joy. I want you to look at the jumping. I want you to look at the laughing. I want you to look at the community. I want you to look. You can see their heart in the picture. You know you can. You can see their heart literally in the picture. This is what you're investing in. This is the future. These are kids with parents who are in here, all of us doing our best to get through life, falling in love with Jesus one step at a time in his church. And as you do that, your life will change and the world will never be the same. This is why the church is the greatest investment in the world. Now, can I tell you what we're up against? Because what we're up against is society and culture. And it's not necessarily just drugs or ISIS. It's more subtle than that. Can we see the picture? In most schools, and a lot of times most homes, this would be more of a normal picture you might see. It wouldn't look so much like the first picture with the jumping or the joy or the community, but it would look more like this. And this isn't nothing about like cell phones or battery, no. I'm just showing you a picture of the culture that we live in. That's what I'm showing you, nothing more. What do you want to invest in? At the end of your life, how do you want to make a difference? I'm telling you, I want to invest in life change. Our kids need us. Our teenagers need us. They're kids. And honestly, you as I as adults, we need each other because we're pretty messed up too, the last time I checked. This is what you're investing in. Life change. A changed life. And as I say all that, I know there are people here today that you walk in here and you are done. It might not even be finance. It might be another area of your life. In your struggle, the relationship, the addiction, the secret, the sin. And you're like, I'm done. You're on the verge of throwing in the towel or you've thrown it in. I need to declare something over your life today. That maybe you've thrown the towel in. But today, God is picking that towel up. He is throwing it back at you. He is saying, pick yourself up. Clean yourself up. You get back in the ring, because I'm not done with you. Because guess what? You plus he equals victory. Do you believe it? Clap like you believe it. Shout like you believe it. I don't hear you. I don't hear. Let him hear you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for me. Look at me. I love you. If anything you heard today 
came from me. God, delete it from their memory, please. I need them to hear from you. I love you. God loves you. He has purpose for your life. I know this. We have to step towards our purpose. God waits, and he's always going to show up. Will we take a step of faith? My prayer for you today is that you will. Father, I thank you so much for your truth and your word. Oh my gosh. The greatest investment in the world. Well, I'm, I'm actually praying for them right now. That would be your church. And here's what I know about the people I'm praying for, myself included. We are in desperate need, God, of help. We are in desperate need of guidance and love and nurturing. We're in desperate need of blessings and love and second chances. Oh, here's the good news. We're praying to the one who gives all of those things. We're praying to the one who's already gone behind us. He's with us and he goes before us and ahead of us. Father, we thank you for your truth that's gone forth. I thank you for everybody in this place. Everybody outside these walls, God, we pray for people that don't know you. The people here today who maybe haven't surrendered everything to you, God, I pray that they'll surrender it today. It might be financial, it might be some other area of their life, but God, will they lay it at you and give it to you and go all in for you today. Help us take a next step, God. We can't do it without you. Guide us. Give us the courage that only you can give. God, we'll, we'll, we'll keep seeking you. We'll keep shouting about you and praying to you and loving you. And God, I promise, your son, Jesus Christ, this church will never stop declaring this one thing, that Jesus Christ is the giver of life. It is him that we have hope and life and light and eternity. And we will never stop praising him, Father. We'll never stop declaring that in your son, Jesus Christ, for us, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen.